1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast. A proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's April 22nd, 2019, episode 88. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And we are hoping everybody had a great Easter yesterday. And surprisingly, there is a lot going on, not the least of which is the draft, which launches on Thursday. Boom, baby! Things
0: are happening. Episode eighty-eight here, you guys. As of course, as all Steelers fans know, it's the Emmanuel Sanders episode. Just kidding, it's the Lynn Swan episode. Let's be real here. Uh, The so we had probably the greatest episode that's ever happened in the history of football podcasting that we recorded for you guys last night on Easter, nonetheless. Naturally, technological difficulties. Nay, technological disasters ensued and we lost everything, which actually ended up being a little bit better because today at 12 p.m., high noon Eastern time, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert held their sort of pre-draft press conference and we got a lot more to talk about today than we did yesterday and we have plenty of stuff to talk about yesterday. So uh, all's well as that ends well, I guess.
1: So we are availing ourselves of two rotary phones that I managed to preserve from the 60s. So we will yeah. not have technological difficulties tonight, although we are operating at 9,600 BOD. And I know that for you millennials, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But suffice it to say, this is going to take a long Tweet time. In.
0: Tweet in. How do you spell BOD? Let us know. <laughs> we'll know if you're real or not. That's, that's going to be the test.
1: So We're going analog, true. baby. <laughs> going analog. So it's true. Uh, our delay actually was... was uh, Fortuitous? Fortuitous good word yeah so the Tomlin I'm not sure what Tomlin really had to do with this he might have been window dressing today but Kevin Colbert's press conference today and he revealed the secrets of the Steelers draft strategy yeah he told us who he's gonna
0: draft he's definitely trading up and we're gonna get uh, Devin White and then they just called it a day and Tomlin took off the aviators for a second and winked at the crowd and flexed some and bicep and, and got out of there. No, obviously not. They didn't tell us anything. I, I would be upset if they told us too much because, you know, at a time like this, you got to be competitive. You got to be secretive. You can't be telling people who you want and who you don't want. There's somebody behind you might want somebody who you want, and they're going to say, hey, we're going to trade above the Steelers so we can get, uh, you know, Clell and Farrell or whoever it is. So a little tight-lipped, but there's a lot of stuff to glean from uh, some of the stuff they said, particularly regarding Steelers draft philosophy and process.
1: I put Kevin Colbert in general on Eisenhower's category because Eisenhower did not tell the Nazis that we were invading Normandy, did he? No. We were going into Calais. That's right. And uh, similarly to Eisenhower,
0: he kind of covered all his bases before the draft with, as we have said, sort of ad nauseum with a very Steelers-esque free agency signing period, at least Steelers of the past few years, with the signings um, of – you know, above mediocre, but basically average to above average players who can start for you at positions of great need in Steven Nelson at cornerback, Mark Barron at inside linebacker and Dante Moncrief at wide receiver who really like, listen, I'm not going to try and tout Dante Moncrief as a surefire pro bowl receiver, but he was becoming a relatively big name when he played with Andrew Luck. And Indianapolis. And then he played with Jacoby Brissett for a little while, and then he didn't even have a quarterback in Jacksonville when they let Blake Bortles take snaps from center and hand it off into 11 man boxes. But I digress. Long story short, though, Culprit said basically, you know, those free agency signings give the Steelers flexibility in who they're going to take. He reiterated, as usual, that the they basically want to take the best player available, but need. He kept calling it fit, player fit, but what he's really saying is positional needs. You know, a need would take precedent if you had two players who, let's say, they have a guy that's ranked as their 18th best player in the draft, and the Steelers are up at number 20. And uh, there's another guy who maybe ranks, you know, 23rd in the draft, but is at a a higher position of need. Let's say, you know, that 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 18th ranked player is a running back and then the 23rd ranked player is a corner. Well, we need a corner more. So as long as those rankings are close enough together, you will draft for need. But you don't want to go ahead and draft a, a third round safety, you know, when you have great edge rushers or corners in your way.
1: I was just going to chime in there. I think that's our point. We're just hoping we don't get a third rounder in the first round. But Kevin did say, don't read too much into the draft prospects we brought in as visitors to facilities to the facility. And how many articles did we read about these uh an analyst going back to look at the draft picks the Steelers have have chosen through the years that were they were 90% of them we either visited them or they visited us year 10 in
0: a row. So then I know Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot has, has, some great studies up on that. And, uh, listen, the Steelers are a consistent team and and you want to hate your team for the drafting sometimes, but the Steelers draft incredible. I mean, they drafted three quote unquote pro bowlers two years ago with, T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, and and James Conner. And I say quote-unquote because even Kevin Colbert acknowledged that during the press conference, basically calling them third-ballot pro bowlers and saying we can debate the merits of of their – He didn't say their Pro Bowl selections, but basically said we can debate the merits of a first uh, alternate versus a third alternate Pro Bowl selection going forward. And Mike Tomlin actually chuckled beside him, basically insinuating that, like, yeah, we don't consider Juju and Connor and Watt Pro Bowlers if they were the third alternates when somebody gets injured before the Pro Bowl. But, like, you were to get back on track here, You know, Alex Kazor and guys like that have done studies that show like the Steelers do need to uh, be at the first round picks pro day. They do, or generally have him in for a visit or this or that. Of course, that can change in the second round. You know, they didn't even meet with Juju Smith Schuster. I think they had a brief meeting with him maybe at the combine, but they didn't bring him into Pittsburgh and they definitely weren't at USC's pro day and they still took him. But when it comes to the first round, there's some things that they generally go after Power Five School. Um, underclassmen, very high athletic testing. They do like to take defensive backs who aren't actually good at football, uh, but they, you know, seem to be nice guys. That's pretty much a requirement as we've seen in the past few years. But Kevin Colbert essentially said, that's not true. We can still take someone else. And I believe him. I mean, if somebody crazy slides down to them, that that's obvious, you know, they, they might, uh, might take a gamble on him, but I want to double back real quick uh, um, to the free agent signings of Mark Barron, Dante Moncrief, and Steven Nelson. While those signings, basically what they did was ensured that those positions aren't like disastrous needs. It's not like Tyler Matakavich is going to be the starter if you don't draft an inside linebacker in the first round. Like if you don't, if the board doesn't break the way you want and you don't, see a Devin Bush at inside linebacker slip to 15 and trade up to get him. If you can't do that, then Mark Barron can start for you. Is he going to make the Pro Bowl? No. But it, again, it's not like having Matt Madikavich start or something. He did say on the signings of those three guys, that none of those signings will preclude us from taking a corner, an inside linebacker or a wide receiver. And I believe him there too. So that's important to note that it basically just – gives them more flexibility in their draft strategy, but it doesn't mean that they're not taking a corner inside linebacker or receiver in the first round, and, and they are going to take one of those positions in the first round, IB, unless it's
1: you know Edge. So I don't know if this is cryptic, but Colbert said that his guys in the scouting department are going to start making calls today to other teams to see who is interested in trading up or down, something everybody's been clamoring about. Should the Steelers move up to get one of the Devins?
0: Yeah, it's just going to depend where they fall, and, and just those guys are, are really great prospects, and you really don't know what's going to happen, but it does sort of seem like it's going to be hard for Devin White to get out of the top five to ten, and it's going to be hard for Devin Bush to get out of the top 13. There's like murderers row of four straight teams who need an inside linebacker around you know, the the, the Broncos and the Bengals and the, yeah, the Green Bay Packers, so... I think that – and I actually had an uh, an exchange on Twitter the other day with Alex Kazora, said Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot, um, basically talking about we think that the Steelers could get Bush if he slips down to like a 16 or 17. And then I do think that they'd be very aggressive in trying to trade up. They did try to trade up last year for an inside linebacker from Alabama. And they've obviously traded up in the past, uh, but they would need him to slide that far. What are the chances of that happening? Well – Derwin James, the safety out of Florida State, pretty much best defensive rookie last year, along with you know Darius Leonard, maybe one other guy, he slid all the way to seventeen, and that just seemed unfathomable. David DeCastro slid, Ryan Shazier slid, and so it can happen. I am putting it below twenty five percent, but that's the only way I see it. Uh, I see the Steelers getting Devin Bush. I think it's more likely that they're going to get one of these guys like the top corners. If Greedy Williams slides all the way there, they were at his pro day looking at Devin White and Greedy Williams. I would love for them to get him because the, the the report on him is basically, he only tries like 75% of the time, but he's two and he runs a 4'3. And when he does try, he does things like lock up DK Metcalf, one, one of the number one receivers and just absolute freak shows in college football. But I think the Steelers will probably end up with one of the corners like Greedy Williams, Byron Murphy, or DeAndre Baker. Hopefully not DeAndre Baker. He runs a Five, eight, and 40, or uh, the guy who's been mocked to them um, and we've we'll talked about a lot recently, Cleland Farrell, and then another name that's been popping up a lot recently, Darnell Savage, the safety from Maryland. So the chances of getting to Devin, we'll see. It's not impossible.
1: I think when you look at this, the ability to trade up is more limited than people would think. You're not throwing away a fourth and a fifth round pick like the Steelers did for AB, but you're throwing away, you're, you have to, you're giving away third and fourth rounds to move up inches you're not jumping from 20 to 10.
0: Yeah, it, it's hard to do that. I mean, if it were easy to move up into the top 10, everybody would do it. If you're like, hey, take take one of our thirds. Is that cool? Yeah, come on. Get Kyler Murray, whoever you want. We don't care. Yeah, it's tough. But the Steelers will do it. And Kevin Colbert even talked about the two other major uh, Steeler trade-ups. They've only traded up like twice since I can really remember. And it's for two little dudes named Santonio Holmes and Troy Palmolue. Worked out pretty well. Adidi Kinkabwala, excuse me, sorry about that. I need my desk in an in exuberance just thinking about Troy Palmolo. But uh, Adidi Kinkabwala asked him about trading up, and he referenced when they traded up for San Antonio. They traded from like thirty-two to twenty-five, and I think he said people thought they traded too much to get San Antonio. I don't remember what number it was from, but it was you know they were in the upper tiers at that point, and they traded like a third and a fourth. But then he acknowledged then the guy makes the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl. So was it too much? No, obviously not. Then they traded up to get Troy Palomalu at I think 16 or something. And if you look back on that, they got a bargain. They they didn't really have to trade away that many assets to get the guy. So it sort of changes year to year. And, you know, he kind of stressed that when some other reporters asked him. Are you worried about certain players taking – or certain teams taking a certain player away from you? So that's to say like, man, I know that the Bengals are going to try and draft Devin Bush at number 11. That means I have to get above pick 11 to get Devin Bush. The report – like how do you decide where you need to trade up to to get that guy? And Kevin Colbert and Mike Tallman basically said – you don't know, and we don't try to figure that out because at that point, you're in the business of predicting where other teams value these players. And we don't know that. That's just guesswork. What we do at the Steelers is we rank our first round players of who we want, you know, from one to 20 or one to 32 or whatever it is. And when Troy Palomalo was available at 16, you know, we had him at, you know, whatever it was, 10. So according to that value chart, we traded up. But no, we don't try to predict which team is going to snatch him away from us because that's
1: just sort of more faulty science. What do you think? Uh, do you think James Washington's ears were burning based on Mike Tomlin's comment?
0: I think that it's uh, they were burning basically Mike Tomlin said that he really expects James Washington to take a leap forward. And basically what that tells me is that receiver is out for the first round. I mean, they drafted this guy in the second round which is like the highest drafted receiver since Juju. All the rest of the Steelers stars were drafted in the third and fourth round. And, of course, the sixth, when you talk about the dark one, the dark evil cloud hanging over my subconscious. Um, Anyway. Easy. Come Um, back. Come back, come back, come back. But, um, yeah, James Washington, I mean, first off, they, they, they invested a second round pick in the guy. To be the outside receiver, obviously Juju is entrenched at the other outside receiver. Drafting and you've got plenty of guys playing in the slot. There are some awesome slot prospects in this draft. But Mike Tomlin said he expects James Washington to take a big step forward. If you draft a DK Metcalf or a Butler in the first round, that means you're plugging that guy to be at the outside, and then you have, you know, two guys on the rookie contracts, second round picks in Washington and, and Juju. That like that would be a waste of the Washington pick. So. Washington, I'm gonna write a little bit about this or maybe put up an Instagram video. That guy's probably got more pressure than him uh, than anyone else on the roster to take a big leap. And we saw great spurs from him last year, but it's not comparable to what we saw from A B or Emmanuel Sanders or Mike Wallace their rookie years or Martavis Bryant his rookie year or Juju Smith Schuster his rookie year. All of those guys had production. Washington did not (laughs) he had one good play at the very end of the season but maybe his ears were also burning because he knows there's some safety there like we're relying on washington is basically what tomlin said but you know depends on the draft falls in the second and third rounds but i doubt you'll see them take that guy in the first round
1: so the schedule was announced this week and i did a little digging around trying to figure out strength of schedule there's plenty of commentary on this but the nfl has its own strength of schedule Analysis and according to them, the Steelers have the twelfth easiest schedule based on last season's win-loss percentages of their opponents. And of course, I think they even acknowledge these teams aren't the same teams as they were last year. But it just sort of way it lays it out early. Sporting News has the Steelers going eight and eight next year. Disrespectful. Dagger, yeah, disrespectful. I'm going to stop reading Sporting News. That's that's the first the thing I do. Me
0: anything under 14 wins is is just insulting no i mean that's that's generally the reg- the, the region you should predict them in right i mean 9-6 and 1 last year you lose your best player in antonio brown uh, the defense hasn't Gotten better on paper, of course. I, you know, we think that they'll get better with the experience of some of these guys and the addition of Nelson isn't like, oh, you had a Jalen Ramsey, but it is sort of like, hey, you have three starting corners for the first time in ten years. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Steelers. You, like you said, you can't predict anything right now, but you know, anywhere from seven to ten wins, I think, is generally. Uh, a good place to pencil them in at uh if nothing else because just it's it's a great division it's super competitive division that they play in and then you got to play some other huge heavy hitters you got to play both super bowl teams from last year um but when you look at the schedule you know ben roethlisberger always talks about dividing the schedule into quarters and that first quarter is really interesting and sometimes you 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 don't know what's going to happen with the schedule, particularly from like an injury standpoint. Like the Steelers have played the Colts the past two years or, and, and neither time Andrew Luck has played. That's a way different game. You know, when they played the Packers two years ago, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. That's a big deal. You know, whatever. You don't know what's going to go on with rookie quarterbacks. Oh, last year they got to play Baker in the beginning of the year before he was hot or, or whatever it is. Or this that. But there are some things that do hold true. I know the last year at this time, we saw that murderer's row at the end of the year with the, with the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Saints. And you can kind of rely on those veteran legendary quarterbacks like Rivers, Brady, and Breeze. Like those guys are going to be playing. They, they don't miss many games, and those teams are always in the mix. So those are going to be really tough games, and we knew you're going to have to win – You know, either give yourself a huge cushion At the beginning of the season So that you can win one of those three murderers row games Or your season is going to be decided there And it ultimately was Ironically, the Steelers played great in all three games But uh, that's basically when the season fell apart And um, I think that there's a similar situation If you look at the first few games Obviously, the Steelers open Sunday night Opening weekend At the reigning Super Bowl champions New England Patriots putting up that six banner, equaling the Steelers. And I love it. Yeah. I I hate them and everything that they stand for and ever will be. I don't know if, uh, you know, Robert Kraft's going to be watching the game or if he's going to be down in Florida, but regardless, I love this situation. Listen, I'm not going to be, the idiot whoever underestimates the Patriots because that they're the best team, they're the best coach team, and everything like that. They still got Brady, they still got Belichick, but this is the least intimidating Patriots roster we've seen in a while. They don't have they don't have Gronk number one. That's a big deal. I know he wasn't quite Gronk last year, but that's still a huge deal. They don't have any legitimate receivers outside of Edelman. We'll see what happens after the draft. They lost their. Second best defensive player and Trey Flowers on the defensive line. And I think that this could be a slugfest. The Steelers have beat them two times in a row, for crying out loud. And um, it's sort of a win win. If you lose, it's, as long as you don't get blown out, it's not that bad. It's like there's no shame in losing to the Patriots in New England, right? I mean, they went 8 0 in New England last year. But if you win, what a huge just gigantic piece of momentum for you to move into the new season in the post-trader, post-killer-B era of Steelers football.
1: Yeah, I think it's more of a springboard, less of a plank. If we lose, as long as, as you said, we don't get blown out, it's not the worst thing in the world. And then, you know, when you look at the schedule, Seahawks in week two. We're gonna to lose to San Francisco in week three naturally. Oh, but yeah, the real the, the sort of crunch time for the Steelers comes after the bye week. It's not that the Ravens or the Chargers are, are, are walkovers, but week seven, you get the Dolphins. Okay. But then Week eight. Rams, Browns, Bengals, Browns. That's gonna be that that would be a rough spot, I would think.
0: Well, we'll we'll see. I mean you play the Browns twice in in in, in um In three weeks, which is a little weird. There's always some weird scheduling quirk every year. But, I mean, I'm just looking at those first three games still right now with the Patriots. Like I said, there's some things that you do know. I don't care what happens. Even if Tom Brady doesn't play, we've seen the Patriots are a hard team to play. Then the second week you get the Seahawks. It's Russell Wilson, man. It's going to be tough. But the good news is... It's a he, 1 o'clock game in Pittsburgh, and, and I know that's sort of splitting hairs, but that's like a 10 o'clock game for somebody way on the other side of the country. If you were in Europe, they'd be borderline in a different continent, and they got to make that trip. So that's way better than if you saw the Steelers having to go out to CenturyLink Field. That's a whole different ball game, especially since
1: he, the Steelers have traveled. He just got his money, too.
0: Yeah, he's going to be chilling. He just got some cornrows <laughs> today. He's feeling himself.
1: He's going he's gonna to be smoking some Winstons on the sideline. I hope so. Yeah.
0: But that's a tough one. And, and, you know, then the Steelers go out to San Francisco in week three. And I know you're half joking before, but we all know the Steelers, this isn't just a – a fun fan opinion. This is a scientific, statistical fact. The Steelers are the worst team in the NFL going to the opposite coast. If you add up their wins and losses since the seventies, like Terry Bradshaw and them were like two and eight against the Raiders. Granted, the Raiders were good back then, but that's going to be a tough game. You got Kyle Shanahan. You assume uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back. You've seen what good offensive coordinators can do to this Steelers defense, and you got one of the top three. Uh, that you got to face there, so that's tough, man. I mean, you could easily be, you know, zero <laughs> two going to that game and having a big, big uh, cloud over your head. But we we have no idea. I mean, but damn, if you could beat the Patriots and the and the Seahawks. That's going to do a lot for this team That's going to be riding on a lot of emotion this year After everything that happened So we'll see what happens Um, They do travel out, like we said, in week three to San Francisco Then they get the Bengals The Ravens Both divisional games going to be tough, of course And then week six, they go out to the Chargers another west coast trip against one of the best most well-rounded teams in the league so two of those horrible dreaded west coast trips in the first part of the schedule and then they get the bye in week seven followed by three straight home games dolphins colts who the steelers have had a lot of success against doesn't mean anything defending super bowl champion or super bowl just (laughs) i can't even call them a participant the Rams barely even participated in that game you got them and, and then the browns coming up so like I said before, AFC North, I know the Browns are being crowned Super Bowl champions already. I do think that it's a, a perfectly legitimate for them to be the favorite in the AFC North. If you just look at their roster top to bottom, they have the least amount of holes compared to anybody else. They obviously ended the, the year strong, but I don't think they're the favorite by much. I know this, people you know, outside of Pittsburgh want to freak out because the Steelers lost their best player. That is a big deal, but they still... I mean, they're still loaded at the end of the day, and you're going to have to go two and zero against the Bengals, and you'd sort of assume that you're going to split against the Ravens and the Browns. Can you sweep one of them too and take the division? I think they can, but I have no idea. I'm just saying that because they've done it many times.
1: Was that a forty slip? You said the Steelers lost their best player. The Steelers did lose
0: their best player, and that's why my, my heart hurts. But you know,
1: oh, because you've made such a such a. Uh...
0: I never said they it was about Ben, good. ben, ben
1: Roethlisberger Rothsberger's interesting. Well, anyway, the so the best
0: athlete in the American sports history. Uh, as far as a player goes, we can get into the nitty-gritty of all this, but that kind of combines some uh, you know, just consistency, sort of work ethic type scenarios. It's a three-dimensional picture rather than the, just the raw f- fireball of athleticism that Ben
1: Roethlisberger is. Quarterback and athlete. You should be a general manager. So can we go back and just rewind a little bit to draft strategy? I was listening to Chris Carter of DK Sports, who has recently joined Tony Serino as a co-host on Locked on Steelers and do a great podcast every day. And they were talking about draft strategy. And Chris was positing that teams are very stealthy about their pro day visits and who they look at at the combine sure. because they're trying to hide their cards as if it was a, a game of uh, Texas Hold'em like I can't let you know that we need an inside linebacker yeah. even though everybody in the NFL knows we need an inside linebacker and you're not going to know that we're looking at any of the Devons or anything like that and I don't doubt people are overthinking this, and it's sort of like, again, I'll go back to my reference about Normandy trying to hide some state secrets about what the Steelers' needs are. I just can't believe that you actually are trying to block some other team's draft because they went inside linebacker. Let's take that inside linebacker from them so they don't have it. We're going to deny the Steelers this player. When everybody's in the same boat the Steelers are, as much as we lament all these needs that the Steelers have – there are teams in much worse shape even teams that are in better shape still have needs that they think are are um uh give me an adjective requirements i don't think anybody's worried about blocking another team i think they're worried about stocking their own closet you know stocking their own pantry with good players well i think i mean chris is definitely right about the stealthy
0: aspect of nfl teams those dudes are paranoid i mean look at the guys who hold the the play sheet over their mouth for god's sake on the sideline looking out for lip readers i side note i do think that they they do have lip readers so that might be a good idea but um yeah i don't know if he was specifically referring to teams selecting a player just so another team can't have them like you know the ravens you know whatever like let's take that let's take the best safety even though we have Earl Thomas just because we don't want the Steelers to get a safety I don't know about that but they definitely do want to play their cards close to the vest because you don't want to know sort of what we were talking about before the Steelers obviously said today you know Kevin Colbert said that they they don't take part in that guessing game wondering who wants who so yeah they're definitely not taking someone just to take them away from another team but some other teams operate differently, and they might know, like, hey, we need to trade above the Steelers. We need to get above pick 20 so we can get David and Joku like the Browns did you know, a couple years ago or last year or whatever it was. Um, so you do want to play that sort of close to the vest because maybe a team thinks, like, oh, but maybe we don't have to trade above them. They haven't shown any interest in this guy, so he we probably can stay two picks behind the Steelers to get someone – but these these guys are definitely paranoid in the NFL when it comes to the secrecy.
1: Yeah, for no apparent reason. So. Yeah. Uh, well, they're crazy. They so Jeremy Fowler writes a, an article on ESPN. He said, um, for NFL prospects, the cost of getting drafted can surpass $100,000. And mm. I guess I shouldn't be surprised in this age where movie stars and other rich people are – spending untold sums of money to get their children into second-tier colleges, in my opinion, like right. USC, when the kids could probably get in there on their own. But there was a laundry list of uh, expenses that these players incur, and I say incur because they're soaked up by agents.
0: I feel so bad for article? the agents.
1: Did you do your homework?
0: Uh, the feed gave out, so the technical problems aren't uh... – <sighs> fatal like there were last night but they're still existing
1: landlines are susceptible to interference too we do take
0: donations here at co's outposts and we could use that on some uh, new uh, software
1: hey so anyway these these players some of them some of them were going to work out at their own at their own colleges but most of the five-star players are going to some training facility for a few weeks and that's going to cost them between 10 and twenty five thousand dollars. of course they get coaching, they get some meals, speed training, and most importantly, they get preparation for the Wonderlic test prep. Well,
0: that Wonderlic is critical. That's what's got Ryan Fitzpatrick fourteen years of excellence <laughs> in the NFL. Did you see the video of him running uh, at the Dolphins minicamp, volunteer minicamp? He has he's twenty pounds overweight, and then since Doesn't he is matter. he's the coolest guy in the NFL. How can you not love this dude? Uh, the reporters asked him sort of point blank about it, and he said, "Listen, I've got seven kids, and you know, early part of the year, it's birthday season. We got three birthdays in January, so that's that's cake. You know, first birthday. A week later, you got another piece of cake. You know, you got to clean it up if people don't eat the rest of it. And of course, you move into March. That's that's more cake. So you got about nine weeks. You got this is a pattern
1: to his." There's a pattern to his biological rhythms, isn't there?
0: Yeah, he gets after it, and uh, I'm not going to do the What, March? Happiest
1: guy in the NFL. Happiest guy in the NFL. Well, I'm happy
0: that he's still around there, but that's hilarious. The guy, yeah. I hey,
1: so so one. just, I, I won't I will forward with a bunch of numbers, but some of these guys get stipends in the form of direct cash between five dollars and $100,000. I'm sure you drew. can imagine the player gets the cash. Now, this these are all essentially loans. These, these are. These are on the come by agents. They, I guess they don't need to be repaid. I, I have no idea what the deal is, but the expectation is they're betting on guys relative to what they will command in the market once they get drafted. So they can be given loans. They can be given stipends. They need rental cars because they don't want to get the, car, the crappy cars they can afford today. They want the awesome cars they can afford once the draft takes place. Plus- they have family and friends, as you know, and the family and friends need to be attendant at the that's workouts. Tough, you need to get them in there, and they get uh, supplemental medical insurance. Yeah, cause... well,
0: that's that's a bunch of pressure on a lot of
1: no kidding. those players. Like they, I,
0: I don't think – I can't imagine what that's like. They've done some sort of documentaries and little interviews on, uh, for players on how – You know, you could feel very torn about the your community who's around you. Especially, a lot of these players come from low income backgrounds, and they want to take the crew with them. And then sometimes, actually, a lot of times, almost universally, they've got relatives they haven't talked to in 10 years hitting them up uh coincidentally right before the draft and people asking for money and sort of that pressure of you being the guy with the money and uh i'm sure the the uh there's never been an agent who gives anything out for free so they're going to recoup that eventually you're going to give up about 50 percent of your salary to taxes agents managers and everything like that so it's a lot of pressure and it sucks because you know a 100 grand a lot of those guys won't even have NFL careers. I mean, is it worth the
1: investment? Of course, because the payoff would be immense. But
0: I, I think you time. make a
1: good point it's about the taxes. Look, if you get a five million dollar you get five million dollar signing bonus, there is fifty percent taken off the top between. Well, let's let's call it forty percent federal taxes, and um, depending on where what state you are, you're going to get raked over by the states. That's why people want to play in Texas. Yeah. and they want to play in tennessee florida. and they want to play in florida you go to new york i think you know that's that's a major media market I, I i uh i would like that myth dispelled everybody's in a major media market with social media today nobody wants 9.7 percent tax taken out because they're playing in new york by the way when these players play they're taxed in the states they play so just because you live in florida doesn't mean you escape state taxes sometimes yeah you're stunned aren't you you don't have that problem because you don't travel from state to state working.
0: Well, that's not true. But $5 million but doesn't go table. quite as
1: far as it used to. So I do feel bad for these guys, uh, these fellas. You're
0: yeah, you're telling me. But we got draft this week. I'm super psyched. Like I said, I kind of, you know, you, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it really is highly dependent on quarterbacks and when they go. And is Josh Rosen going to get traded before draft day or on draft day? From the Cardinals after they select Kyler Murray, because that takes another team out of the running for uh, a quarterback, um, you know, for an, a team that would like to draft a quarterback. So things things can fall in any sort of weird amounts of ways. I tend to think the Steelers are going to take one of those guys I listed earlier, one of the top cornerbacks, either Greedy Williams, Byron Murphy, DeAndre Baker. There have been some mocks that have actually probably accurately mocked the Steelers guys who nobody else is putting in the first round buzz like Rocky Asin from Temple or I think there's the guy Lane from Michigan State but I I tend to think that it will be one of those top three guys because it sounds like they'll actually be available which is weird for the first corner to be taken off the board you know around 20 Um, besides that Cleland Farrell the edge rusher from Clemson is another guy who they'll have their eyes on would that be the sexiest pick No, it's a guy who's probably not even going to start this year. But Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin did reiterate today that they think the guys who play the best are the guys who do get a sit a year. And they said, yeah, of course, in Steelers history, you've seen guys like Marquise Pouncey or Ben, who ended up being great first-year starters. But the plan for Terrell Edmonds last year, they said point blank, Mike Tomlin said, and Kevin Colbert said, yeah, we didn't think he was ready for that. He didn't earn that opportunity. It came to him as a result of people being unavailable or injured. But he ended up getting his play above the line by the end of the year. So if they took someone like Cullen Farrell, you know you couldn't really couldn't really complain. He's kind of like a TJ Watt prospect at outside linebacker, and maybe that's a guy that you know after Bud leaves, you get rid of him after the next year, and then you have two really solid maybe pro bowl type uh edge rushers it just i'd like to see somebody who can make a splash right now i want to see greedy williams because we got aj green and Odell Beckham jr in the division right now who knows who the ravens are going to draft and you need someone like greedy who's the only one with the athletic profile to be able to go up against some some receivers like that and uh we tortured teams with Ben and Antonio Brown for years and the Steelers might be on the other side of it. And it will be very nice to have a Pac-Man Jones or, you know, Jimmy Smith to, uh, to lighten the load. So that, that would be more my preference. But we'll see in a couple of days and we'll be talking about it for a while. We'll break them down on film for sure.
1: What are the chances that a player from Troy State is drafted within the first four rounds?
0: Man, well, it's just obscure enough for the Steelers to do it, but it's a little murky right now. Like I said, you don't know what's going to happen in a draft, but you know what? That's what makes it fun, and and that's what makes me want to take a gamble. That's what a gamble is, and if I am going to take a gamble, I'll take a bet, and I'm going to take a bet on mybookie.ag, and I'm probably going to do it on my new mobile phone that I spent too much money on, but I got it, so let's use it, and you can do that mybookie-type stuff. Mybookie.ag online type stuff from your mobile phone because they got a great mobile site. It's sleek. It's easy to use. You can bet on the draft. You can do prop bets. Will they? How long will they boo Goodell for when he steps up to the podium? I'm sure they'll put that up there. Will the Steelers draft a player who even has a first four round grade on him? That's another good one to get your hands in on. Um, do all kinds of stuff like that, and then obviously you can bet on the actual games when they start coming around. And that's where I do it. So remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Visit mybookie.ag online today and don't forget to use that promo code outpost 25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free
1: play. You play, you win, you get paid. I'm sure everybody uh, shares our enthusiasm for what's coming up this week so we will... There's one bet you can make, and that is we will be here next week to go over the draft ad nauseum, like everybody else says. Anyway, we'll have our own unique slant on that. We'd like to get your feedback. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on our website, SteelersOutpost.com, or just simply send us an email at Outpost at com. Nick, any party shots before we get out of here?
0: Yeah, just regarding getting in touch with, Seth, getting in touch with us and all those Steelers outpost outlets, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I know we've been taking a little bit slower on those outlets recently. We've been really busy, and frankly, there just hasn't been a lot outside of redundant conjecture at this point in the NFL season, but that's about to change, so I'm going to be ramping up the Instagram and the Twitter a little bit more now that there's a lot more to talk about, and we will be breaking down uh, the Steelers draft prospects. Uh, on tape once we know that the Steelers select and be tweeting during the draft and everything like that and we'll be talking to you this week and can't wait for it to get started it's exciting times we have a lot to talk about after the draft there's going to be a ton of topics then maybe a little bit of lull then they'll get into the training camp and it's going to be go time baby I can't wait
1: thanks for listening until next week go Steelers
0: okay bye bye
3: <laughs>